Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Travis Ryer with a reminder that Second Helping is now a part of a new network. That's right. Moving forward, Second Helping is teamed with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, with the Pigskin Podcast Network as our primary platform, you'll still be able to hear us wherever you consume podcasts and will be brought to you in part by DraftKings, a partnership we'll tell you more about a little later in the program. For now, though, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer. Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, alongside my great friend, co-host Brent Beard, college football analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and of course, a longtime voter in the race for the most prestigious honor in college football, the Heisman Trophy. And I think Kid on Christmas Eve maybe best (laughs) describes Brent Beard on this Friday, Brent, as we have college football action at the doorstep. We're there. We're about to cross the threshold, Brent, into another season of full tackle, intercollegiate, varsity (laughs) football, college football. How about that, Brent? Is there any longer offseason than (laughs) college football, Travis? I, I just... I just don't think there is. We get our appetites wet with uh, week zero games. ESPN Game Day will be uh, having their debut as far as this year uh, is concerned. Are they going in studio Saturday? Is that the plan? Yeah, I'm guessing they're uh, yes. not going to be in a on locale anywhere. Right. They make the trip to Wahoo, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, they are. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm surprised they didn't. I mean, I don't think they've been to Hawaii yet, have they? I, I don't think. I agree with this that. would have been the shot. They have either. It yeah. really would have been. Uh, yes, absolutely. Now, now, obviously, uh, CBS is doing that game uh, or CBS Sports uh, Network, but we, we know they've done that before, right, Trav? Where they yeah. have, uh, uh, even though they're with ESPN, they've done games where they were done sure with someone else. Absolutely. Uh, if Alabama LSU has been CBS, which yes. it has been, uh, we've seen game day emanate from both Baton Rouge and yeah. Tuscaloosa in advance of those games. But we do have a week zero slate of games to consider, Brent, from the SEC perspective. We've talked about Vanderbilt making the trip out to Honolulu to take on Hawaii. Um, I'm going to have representation at the game for us yes. tomorrow night. Yes. So, uh, Savannah Ryer, an assistant <laughs> on the University of Hawaii women's basketball staff, also, from what I understand, is going to work the game in terms of social media for you. Oh, so she will Excellent. be there. We have boots on the ground correspondent. <laughs> Brent, how about that? Um, you know, the game is sold out. It's interesting, Brent. The game is sold out, as we talked about. Hawaii has moved on campus because Aloha Stadium became so dilapidated, they had to condemn it. Um, so while the game is sold out tomorrow night, I think it's really a capacity of like 10,000 folks. Probably, so yes. that's it. 
you know, and, and Hawaii's trying to get this facility expanded to upwards of 20 in the coming years. So it will be a sellout, but in terms of the, the size of the crowd, it, it's about what you'd expect for Vanderbilt in uh, maybe a non-conference matchup at home. Well, we'll be so jonesing for football at that point. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a, that is a 1030 Eastern start. Oh, I, uh, I, I don't know if, how much pops will make it through that game, Trav. What will, will he? Will He'll he be least, up. Yeah. At least the first quarter, maybe the first half. Yeah, pops. That one? Pops has actually become a night owl. He's done the reverse for these uh, these uh, senior types. Yes. You know, usually the, yes. the bedtime, the dinner time, right. it gets earlier and earlier. Pops won't eat dinner a lot of nights till eight o'clock, <laughs> and then he'll stay up past midnight watching the old uh, the old shoot 'em ups. You know, yes. gun smoke, bonanza. Oh, he loves to do that. So yeah. absolutely, Pops will be engaged in tune. He'll be he'll be right there. Um, you know, I got to ask you this question too. Do we know when the last time was? that Vanderbilt was a road favorite in any game, right? They're, they're a, they're a road favorite tomorrow night at Hawaii. Which is amazing to think about that. Uh, oh, it, Travis, it's got to be uh, probably decades since anything like that has happened. Uh, now, what would be interesting among uh, many things here is, uh, you know, they've got a decent little quarterback in this Mike Wright. I think the question is, has he, uh, improved a little bit over time and and as we've talked about over the last few weeks now again timmy chang people are beginning to remember him and as the hawaii head coach and they're recovering from todd graham but but again this this is just a absolute must win for vanderbilt uh and uh, hopefully they will play some clean football and and right will make some good decisions that would be huge for them to bring a w home with elon coming up next week too yeah you know and i know there's been some talk because of wake forest's situation you've alluded to that with sam hartman out at the quarterback position such a huge blow for a wake forest team that you're seeing in the top 25 of preseason polls that becomes at least on paper a more winnable game in nashville uh, I believe it is for for Vandy in week three. There's you know, some talk about Vandy being what three and zero or so, four and zero, going to Tuscaloosa by the end of September. Well, that'd be tremendous for them, but they've got to. Uh, um, besides Wright playing better, I mean their defense also has got to grow up. They lost one of their better defensive players, Miles Capers. Uh, unfortunately, Travis in the in preseason practice, the last week of it. Uh, so they've got to find a way to replace him. Uh, but look, I, 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 and I really can't see, uh, Hawaii being much improved, uh, particularly in Chang's first year, their defense was the worst in the, in the mountain West. So uh, listen, I'm, I'm almost being facetious here, Trev. What, what would it do for Vanderbilt to cut to to come back to the mainland with a like, like a a twenty eight to three thumping? Uh, uh, what what would that do for that team's image and confidence? Well, you know, it, it would be great too from a recruiting perspective True. because you're in sort of a standalone position Saturday night, albeit mm-hmm. it is a late kickoff. Um, but it would just some positivity, you know, with that culture and that sure. uh, the way that we look at Vanderbilt football uh, for Clark Lee, I think it's huge 
and trying to establish himself sure and his program as trending in the right direction. And uh, there are pieces with this Vanderbilt team. We've talked about them in the past. Anthony Orgy, uh, Ethan Barr at the linebacker positions, really good players. Michael Owusu, uh, another very good defensive player. Um, I do think they've made strides at the quarterback position, but you know, as I've said, if I was Vanderbilt, I would have made the trip out to Honolulu and set up camp about <laughs> August 4th. Yes. I know they got out there, I guess, early this week, maybe started the trip late last weekend. So they're going to have had plenty of time to adjust and adapt because that, that time change deal is real. I mean, when we're talking about Nashville. I believe we're looking at a five hour time change and, uh, it, it can be problematic, but that should be something that they've handled in the ramp up to this game. So absolutely critical for Vanderbilt to take advantage of this opportunity, as you've talked about. And I've talked about a Hawaii program very much in rebuild mode in year one under Timmy Chang. I guess also to this weekend, Brent, maybe not so much in the way of extensive SEC action, but when you look at some of these games on Saturday, some teams that have SEC opponents on their schedules in the very near future. Most notably, Florida State opens on Saturday. The Knowles, of course, will travel to New Orleans the following weekend to take on LSU. Utah State, the defending Mountain West champions under Blake Anderson, get going against UConn. Jim Mora Jr., right, up there yeah. at UConn. So you're going to have uh, USU at home in Logan before – they make the trip to Tuscaloosa on September the 3rd. Uh, You piqued my interest last time with this Utah State team. Uh, Now, look, we know the Bama will win the game, but look, at the same time, people may not be aware, this team was 11-3. and As you mentioned, Mountain West Championship. Travis, this quarterback's not bad, is he? This Logan Bonner. If he's healthy. Yes, that's the question, right, for Utah State? Because yeah, Bonner was injured in the bowl game yes, uh, pretty significantly. And there hasn't been a lot of transparency, I guess we could huh. say. Right. Um, but they have a couple other guys they feel good about, including a transfer, I believe. So uh, Blake Anderson typically puts a very capable quarterback on the field in his system. So whether it's Bonner or one of the others, uh, you, you expect those guys to produce. I think what may be even more important than than, than uh, Utah State is Florida State and Duquesne. The people would snicker at that. But Florida State, speaking of positivity, they desperately have got to have some things go right. Uh, and uh, we talked about this on First Coast News on Sunday night, the need for uh, a win, Jordan Travis, uh, he was touchdown-interception ratio was 9-1 to one in his last six games. Can he repeat that? Uh, FSU's got a matchup nightmare trap in this six foot seven Wilson kid at wide receiver who comes over from Arizona State. That uh, will be interesting to see how they how they use him. But to, to get a game underneath for them before they go to New Orleans, and I think what's even more important for them that on a Friday night. In the middle of September, they go to Louisville, so they they need to beat Duquesne. They need to come out healthy after LSU, and then be able to win that Friday night game uh, in uh, Louisville. 
they could springboard them to a decent season that Mike Norvell really needs to have. Yes, he does. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about LSU and some of the teams that we talked about specifically really in the SEC West as the season approaches. And a lot of these coaches still playing it close to the vest, Brent, where starting quarterbacks are concerned. Now, maybe in a case or two like Ole Miss with Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer, where it sounds like there's been a 180 from the spring where one guy was the clear top guy maybe in March and April. It's turned around now where the other guy has assumed that position in fall camp. Um, But regardless, you got to think by early next week, we're going to have a clear understanding of who's going to go out there first for teams like Texas A&M, LSU, uh, Ole Miss, and Auburn for that matter. Yeah. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Now, um, uh, you get some waffling back and forth uh, with Lane Kiffin between – uh, between Dalt and uh, Dart and Altmeyer, uh, and where that's going. And Kiffin says, uh, he said on Monday, Trav, I just don't know uh, who's going to emerge. I, now, now, look, all these guys in the back of their mind uh, have got something that they know. And, and look, they a lot of these teams that you've mentioned, they're playing foes that you can play all the quarterbacks and give them a shot at what's going to will go on. And, and frankly, I, I, and I think A&M's in this situation too. Whoever they put out to start the game doesn't mean that, that he will finish and, and particularly at Auburn too, uh, although we hear more for TJ Finley, gosh, it's just amazing. Travis at Calzada, uh, win or send maybe running third team right now at Auburn behind Robbie Ashford too. So, uh, I don't, that, that's a really good point. Will they name somebody necessarily next week or will we hear that old mantra of, well, we're going to play all of them and see where it goes. And in some situations, your opening opponent allows you to do that, right? But if you're LSU, you better know who your guy is. But even with that being said, if it is Jaden Daniels for LSU to start the game against Florida State, I think we're in agreement in just about all of these cases. We're not going to be surprised if the guy that starts the season isn't necessarily the guy who finishes the season. And that's not even really taking – the potential for injury into account. This is more about projecting production and effectiveness at the position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and and there are so many other areas that need improvement with some of these teams uh, also. Uh, but look, it's not going to, and, and to your point for LSU, it's not, it's not going to take long at all for LSU to jump in the conference. So, they so at, they've got to be, uh, uh, I think, pretty confident where they're going to be uh, after a couple of weeks. And Trav, to me, what's going to be fascinating is of the teams we mentioned, and, and I think we maybe can look at Auburn more for this. Which one of these teams has the better running game early? They can take the pressure off 
whoever the quarterback's going to be. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right, there's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, you expect LSU under Brian Kelly to be very committed to the run game. Uh, I like Ole Miss's setup actually maybe better than any of the four teams of the four teams we're talking about. I think A&M would be right there with Ole Miss in that regard. Both A&M and Ole Miss return a good bit up front. And then you get to the running back position and what Ole Miss was able to do via the transfer portals with Devon A-Chain coming back, even with Isaiah Spiller moving on at Texas A&M. Uh, you know Jimbo's going to make a concerted effort to run the football. Lane gets overlooked in that regard. He does. Ole Miss likes to run the ball. They mm-hmm. really do. Uh, you think of Lane, you think of explosive plays in the passing game and you know exploiting matchups in that area of offense, but uh, you certainly expect Ole Miss to be committed on that front as well. So quarterback queries to still sort through, even once we get into the season, at some of the programs that we focus and feature mostly here on second helping. So Brent, as we look ahead and we understand that so much emphasis is on the quarterback position, we like to go around the league here and talk about news and notes from various programs, if not all the programs in the league. And so let's go to Alabama. Let's get it started. Some things that have come out maybe here in the last week since we last met here on the podcast, Brent, that have caught your attention for Nick Saban's team. I think one of the things that I hear from everybody who covers uh, Alabama right now or two things. One would be uh, uh, can these guys in the secondary get healthy over the next couple of weeks? And the other thing that I hear, and I'm curious as you write for them, if you're seeing and hearing the same thing, that uh, this is as relaxed and confident of a Nick Saban uh, has been at press conferences and interviews that people have seen in a while. Trevor, I think he really likes this team. I think he likes the potential. And sometimes body language says a lot uh, with Saban uh, as the season goes along. But I'm curious if you've seen that as some others have. 
Yeah, he seems very much at ease. And I think a lot of that has to do with the comfort he has in knowing that guys like Will Anderson and Bryce Young and Jordan Battle and even some guys that you don't talk about as much in terms of marquee names like Kendall Randolph, a six-year senior, leadership, ownership has been taken by the players from a from a big, big perspective. And that always seems to help ease him a little bit. I will say this. He continues to beat the drum where depth is concerned. Yes. And he hasn't been happy with some of his second groups. You know, those are Alabama-type problems. You know, a lot of places would love to know that their top 22 to 30 yeah. guys are pretty much set. So now I got to worry about 35 through 50. Um, but as we saw in the national championship game, it, it's something that he isn't going to forget about anytime soon when – you lose guys like Jamison Williams and John Mechie. The viewpoint of Nick Saban isn't, well, man, that stinks. We lost our two top receivers, and you know, that's pretty much no, no, no. Nick Saban's expectation is next guy up. Absolutely. And not much, if any, in the way of a drop-off. How realistic is that? Well, you know, we could talk about that. But, you know, that's the challenge that he's issuing to his team, and he's using a failure, as we've heard him talk about to try to make something positive from it. And that gave him a talking point, a teaching point throughout the off season and into the preseason and beyond. And he continues to make good use of it. Well, and one of those guys to dovetail what you said is Kobe Prentice, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of the freshmen uh, who he has uh, been saying a lot about. And look, to your point, Trev, he, and, and we saw this, in the national championship game uh, uh, with uh, uh, Jalil Billingsley, who goes in, uh, and or uh, Ajay Hall, who, as Saban said, didn't call him a name. Well, I'll be specific with that. But it's obvious those guys weren't ready, uh, particularly Hall in that deep pass around the five-yard line. His hands weren't positioned right. Uh, and and that's one thing that was brought out with that. Uh, and not only is he ready, does Saban feel they need to be specifically healthy, ready to go, but they need to know their position and know what to do. So uh, so you're right. And and just from seeing them the last couple of years, when these guys get in, Trav, they've got to perform on the field. No doubt about it. And you know, part of the the deal with depth is that with the one-time transfer rule, it's going to be harder and harder to maintain it, right? Sure because is. guys that are second-teamers at Alabama can be starters at just about any other program in college football in Alabama. We talk about the imports like Jameer Gibbs and Tyler Harrell and Tyler Steen and Jermaine Burton. Well, they lost a lot of guys to other programs, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, Texas, you can go down the list, Colorado guys are moving on to other programs in search of starting positions. That would be your two and threes right now going into the 2022 season. Speaking of which, let's talk about Arkansas. Sam Pittman didn't really uh, hold back much after the transfer portal bit his team here in the last day or so. Uh, With a couple of guys of note, Taylor Lewis, a defensive lineman, Jacqueline, Crawford also making the move. And Sam said, if you don't want to be at the University of Arkansas, 
Hit the portal, pal. He said, we've got a culture here, and if you don't fit in, you can go somewhere else. Uh, so, And with the success that he's had, uh, I think that that is very legitimate. And again, man, when you look at this schedule and how brutal that is, that that is really going to be such a challenge for them. But they brought in guys like Jaden Hasselwood from Oklahoma uh, to help them meet that challenge, and particularly early on. Uh, to Keith Crawford. Now, not, not enough have been said about this. We've talked a little bit about uh, certainly their running backs and how good that they could be uh, in that area with, with Raheem Sanders and Dominique Johnson. But, Trav, how about that offensive line? We know with Pittman that, that they're going to be good. They've got a kid, Tykeese Crawford, uh, who they feel can come in and, and kind of plug in whenever needed. Four starters coming back. Uh, to protect K.J. Jefferson and open up some holes, uh, no doubt another huge factor for this Arkansas team. Yeah, I think the defensive line is where you've got some concerns now, especially with this news of a transfer. So um, Torian Carter back in the spring had a knee injury. So you worry about that group probably as much as anything when you talk about the two lines of scrimmage. I'll say this, I think – you're hearing more positive things about that wide receiver core. And that's a good thing because we all know Traylon Burks is no longer around, but it uh, sounds like they're happy or getting more or more and more encouraged by what they're seeing at the top of their rotation anyway um, from three or four guys. So, you know, I think that's important for Arkansas as well when you try to replace the explosive play production that a guy like Traylon Burks gave you over the last couple of years. So, when we move around the SEC, what about the University of Florida? I see here the Gators right now, two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home with Utah coming to town in a couple Saturdays. Well, 17 starters coming back for Utah. Everyone's got them ranked the top 10. Cam Rising, one of the better uh, quarterbacks. This is going to be a real challenge. And again, I, I, I was doing – radio the other night locally and the host says to me oh i think florida's gonna win that game by 20 points <laughs> uh and and i and i my my comeback to that was are you sure that florida can block utah uh with that experience so look Trav, i I appreciate Gator fans feeling good about where Napier is taking them and i and i think there's a lot of truth to that but uh, people thinking Utah is coming in here and that heat humidity is going to wear them down by halftime. Uh, I, they need to take a real look at how good this Utah team that probably could have beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year. Yeah, and that's that's a hell of a that's a hell of a hot take. Uh, yeah, twenty plus. It is, isn't it? Wow. No pressure. You know, and you know, hey, so here that's Billy Napier. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Your first game. Absolutely. And you got yes. folks out here in the media and in the fan base uh, that obviously don't watch enough of college football. And look, maybe Florida ends up boat racing uh, Utah. If that happens, though, that'll be a situation that 95% of us out there did not see coming, as no. much as because of what the expectations are for Utah as anything else. And, um, yeah, that's uh I think that's going to be a game where both teams are pretty comfortable grinding. Yes. The the problem I think for Florida is that I don't see it being built in a way offensively 
where unless it gets a non-offensive score, maybe right, early, right. the defense contributes, special teams block a punt, something like that, that Florida can get out to a 14 to nothing lead and then really ride that home crowd. Um, I, I see this as being a grinder for four quarters. And, you know, I think if you're Florida, you're okay with that going into the fourth quarter in a tie game, a tight game, because that's when you anticipate the home crowd and sure. the conditions in Gainesville, certainly not going to be Salt Lake city like, no. uh, on September the 3rd. So maybe those things help you get home. Well, uh, and, and look, another concern that I've got for them, Travis, Jack Miller, uh, who people thought would be their backup quarterback, yeah. Uh, thumb injury, had surgery. So they've got Jalen Kitna, uh, who has been practicing. And, and look, we both know that there are major concerns about Anthony Richardson and his health. Do they? Now, he's a behemoth at 6'5, 250 ish. But the reality is, uh, how much now do they want to run him and take a risk of getting him banged up if he goes out, Trav, for uh, even a quarter? And you've got to rely on a backup at this point uh, uh, against a team like Utah. That is definitely not a place you want to be. No. Let's talk some Georgia Bulldogs. I was thinking about this the other day. We probably haven't talked enough about what James Cook meant to that offense. Yes, absolutely. And how does Georgia go about filling that void? Because – uh, such a playmaker, DeAndre Swift-like, I would say, in a lot of ways, could catch it, uh, explosive play capability. We love Kenny McIntosh. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we yes. love the running back stable in general uh, that Georgia welcomes back. But uh, that aspect of what James Cook brought to the offense, I, I don't think we've talked about that enough, maybe. Uh, listen, uh, uh, it's funny you said that. I heard this week, folks, Talk about Georgia, and that was one of the first things that they brought up is uh, that uh, the Georgia fans don't realize how much they're going to miss him uh, and, and the versatility that he gave. And and I know you probably picked up on this already, but, but Trav, the problem is you've got Kendall Milton that's got a hamstring injury right now. Uh, that, now, I don't know if he was going to play much at all, but Andrew Paul, a freshman, uh, tears an ACL in the scrimmage. So, you know, he's out for a while. So, I, and, and Kirby's not necessarily complaining about it yet. Uh, but it, you and I both know in this league, you've got to have as many banks as you can. Uh, now, I still think they'll be, that they'll beat Oregon. Uh, I'm <laughs> uh, sure not going to put any money on Bo Nix in a game like that. Many stretch of imagination with Oregon and Dan Lanning in, in his first game. Also, uh, but yeah, uh, great, great point. Uh, Georgia, I think they'll be ready to go. Kirby is really um, uh, emphasizing how important the little things are. And these openers, he's 6-0 and uh, in openers. That makes it fascinating, uh, but particularly when you think about where they might be in a, in a bit of a depth issue at running back. Let's get into some SEC East talk here as we continue in that regard with Florida, Georgia. What about this group of Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Tennessee, along with Florida? Uh, you know, how that might play out in the East from those four or five programs once you get beyond Georgia and, you know, given thought to, you know, that, that, 
predicted finish that we saw come from the uh, recently uh, convened SEC meetings in Atlanta. Anything to change sort of maybe your perspective of those teams in comparison to SEC media days to where we are now in the preseason? I know this is a broken record, but this Chris Rodriguez situation, and and, and now I give Matt Jones credit for this from the Kentucky Sports Network saying, now nothing's come out with this yet, uh, but it should in the next few days. Rodriguez may be suspended three or four games. Now look, if he's healthy, uh, you're talking about a back who gained 100 yards in a game. That that would be crucial when they go to Gainesville to play Florida if he's out. Now, again, they've got good running backs. Uh, Kamasi Smoke being one of those uh, is a possibility. I think that's going to change things uh, somewhat. I'm hearing better things from Missouri. I'm curious if you are. Uh, they like Brady Cook and what he has done for them. But, but look, and you call attention to this the other day, this has got to be dealt with. And, and I'm a, they've got a new guy in Blake uh, Baker at, at the coordinator uh, where uh, they were they were basically the – and this is no hyperbole here. They were basically the worst defense in the league last year, particularly against the run. Terrible. Uh, yeah. and, 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 Trav, again, and, and I, I know they've taken some steps to improve that, but if that doesn't improve considerably, uh, the, the, the seat could be getting warmer for drinking with. I don't, I don't necessarily think he's going anywhere, but that's got to be fixed. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And so I see where – Missouri actually has eight uh, team captains for the upcoming <laughs> season. They asked Eli about it. He said, I just figured more was better. So yeah, absolutely, uh, you're a captain, and you're a captain, and yeah. you're a captain. Wow. I guess that's where we're at in this day and age of absolutely. college football. Anything else for us, Brent, as we get our appetite wet this weekend in week zero and certainly look ahead to – a big full opening weekend of college football involving SEC teams right around the corner. The the naming of the rooster in South Carolina has drawn a lot <laughs> of uh, a lot of interest, has it not? But this, but and look, South Carolina uh, has two with all these transfers, and we forget not only did Spencer Rattler get there, but you you've mentioned before Austin Stone from Oklahoma. Uh, Christian Beal Smith from Wake Forest uh, among that group still think this Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell, that they will be able to run the ball if they can get uh, some other deep threats along with Dak Joyner and Josh Van. Uh, they like so, their tight ends, right? Well, I mean, they, they do. Absolutely. That, that may be that may be the uh, secret to the sauce for that. Yes. For that South Carolina offense, if you can, if you can get Spencer Rattler to to commit to that, because Spencer has the kind of arm talent that he usually, those guys usually want to work outside the numbers and down the field. Uh, but man, the, a couple of tight ends for South Carolina that they're going to run out there are going to be more than capable. Uh, it's not the Georgia tight end room, uh, but it is a good tight end room. And again, uh, Trav uh, is on that 
uh, SEC East. Tennessee still has not had that Brew McCoy situation yeah. straight straighten out either. Southern Cal said, "Look, we've cooperated. We've done everything we can." Uh, but Travis, this is one of those situations where moving to multiple schools sometimes catches up with you. Yeah. And and I think that's basically what's happened to Brew McCoy that that they've got such a uh, a a confusing paper trail trying to get this thing uh, straightened right. out and hopefully hopefully they will but but McCoy has not helped himself with all these moves. Yeah, he's kind of gone east coast back to the west coast yes. back to the east. Yeah, you know, literally across country here a couple times. For Brew McCoy and yeah, South Carolina with those tight ends, Jaheim Bell and as you said, Austin Stogner coming in from Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler. Uh, some guys to keep an eye on for that South Carolina offense. Well, Brent, looking forward to the upcoming weekend. Looking forward to reconvening next week here on Second Helping because we'll have some reaction to what we see over the upcoming weekend and certainly a lot to get into as we preview the first full weekend of college football in 2022. And I'll be curious if we go out here, will some of these quarterbacks, Trav, be named as starters by, say, Sunday or Monday uh, as we get a little bit uh, uh, closer to the opening kick? But yet at the same time, they may want to maintain that mystery a little bit uh, as we go and, uh, fascinating that John Rice Plumley is at central Florida. Charlie Brewer, uh, from Utah is now with Hugh freeze at Liberty and Trav, How about officially urban back with Fox and Dan Mullen with ESPN. So, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Florida fans that we mentioned will have plenty of, con- I'm sure pops will have a few comments, uh, about their commentary, will he not? Yeah, the biggest <laughs> Dan Mullen fans out there right now are the fans of the Houston Texans because they got yeah. Damian Pierce, Ooh. the former Florida running back, that yes. really didn't get enough work under Dan no. Mullen. So no. his legs are, are apparently very fresh, very <laughs> impressive. Damian Pierce is going to be the starting running yeah. back for the Houston Texans this it's season. Amazing. And uh, just didn't get a lot of run under Dan no. Mullen. So the Texans fans, they appreciate Dan Mullen. Yeah, I know? know they do. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, there you go. Brent Beard, always a wealth of insight, knowledge, and a lot of fun right here on the Second Helping podcast. If you haven't subscribed to Second Helping, we hope that you'll do that. Anywhere you consume pods, you will find us. If you leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody.